Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. It's been prophesied over the church. We have an intercessory study again, the Reese Howell book on intercession. We've been doing that, and Pastor Terry's been just, it's been really, really rich. I'm reading it for the second time, and it's just, that man walked in faith. But there are these downloads that we get. Pay attention to the unction or the, the nudges, the, the things that sometimes just kind of like come out from backfield, and it's like, what about that, Lord? Be in that continual place of intercession and prayer as we stand in the gap. Ezekiel 22 said he, he looks for those who will stand, that he would not. They, they come on the wall, actually. They're, they're the, the instruction pieces or the parts that pull together so that he doesn't have to destroy the land. And so we have an assignment uh, in that, I believe, uh, strongly about that. So uh, I just want to call in more intercessors. <laughs> and so last, I loved yesterday when Ruth called and said, there's probably 19 intercessors that are here. And sure enough, 19 stood. And that's about the average that we probably see in our intercessory group. But there needs to be more. I know that when, um, when the prayer meeting has more people than the Sunday mornings, we'll be in a good place. And so, because uh, that's just, anyway... So um, last night was wonderful. I, you know, I know a lot of your, at least pieces of your story. So I love when Ruth went around at the end and was praying with her team and was given the downloads. And I'm like, man, that's good. Bishop and I were thinking, that's really accurate. <laughs> so I love that. I love when God just does that and just continues to reveal. Those that may be uh, unfamiliar with the prophetic, maybe listening online. I was just at the college a couple of weeks ago uh, at teaching to college students who actually was invited there to talk about the Holy Spirit at uh, Ratio Christi Group, which is the cause for Christ. And um, they had had the, um, the cessationist pastor come, they had had, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to under, undercut them, but um, I was the last to speak about the Holy Spirit and the charismatic, and uh, there was this opportunity, to, and they had questions about prophetic and about the healing, and uh, it was just a, a wonderful, so if there's that place where, I'm not sure about all this, yesterday was a really powerful teaching on the uh, demystifying the prophetic. If my sheep hear my voice, listen and speak, and it's like, well, wow, that's we do that every day. <laughs> so why we make it so like if, if you're looking for a scripture, First Thessalonians five nineteen says um, that we should not scoff at prophecy. Don't be scoffing at prophecy, like I. Right, but test everything. So we do. We test all things, right? And we thank the Lord. And then in First uh, Corinthians fourteen, I shared last night. Paul says, I, "I'm glad. Don't forbid speaking in tongues, but I wish that you would all prophesy." We know from Acts chapter two, the first outpouring. We got the Pentecost coming. That outpouring. Remember, he said, your sons and daughters, have something you want to share? Just want to share something. Um, we've been here already a whole year. Could you imagine? We've been since uh, the, everything started with COVID. So we've been meeting at 2 o'clock for the Spanish service. And today's our last Sunday here at 10. So, so we're moving to the next building. So... And I just wanted to say that we really have enjoyed being here at 10 o'clock. Really, really, really have enjoyed being part of the whole, the whole church. But we're in the next building, we're going to be there at 10 o'clock, meeting at the same time. And once in a while, we'll be in the combined service. But we just wanted to say that we love you. We're going to miss being here. But don't think that we left because I told them they're going to think what happened to, to, what happened to us, right? 
So anyway, um, just wanted to let you know, so this way you're not wondering what happened to us, okay? So we'll be next door. That's good. We, uh, we certainly enjoy our combined services, and we have so many of our worship teams learning bilingual, but it's good. We, we wouldn't want you to have backslidden. You know, that would be, that'd be good. All right, would you all stand? Let's, uh, let's welcome Ruth Mangiacapri. Thank you, Lord, for bringing her and her team, all of her team. Actually, um, would you have your team come on up, Ruth? I want to come on up, team. I just want to, uh, it's so wonderful when you, I, I always travel with teams. I, you know, you know, when I go on mission trips, I, I like at least 16 to go with us. And so it's always cool to, would you guys stretch out your hands? Bishop, I, th I think you're supposed to pray for them. Come on, Bishop. Yeah. Release that prophetic. Father, we thank you for this mighty matriarchs and women that you have called, appointed, and, and selected for your ministry. And so, Father, as a church, we lift up our voice and we prophesy over them as you move forward increase in every area that the Father has called you to in the name of Jesus. Lord, we are calling for more fire, more grace in the name of Jesus, more accuracy in the prophetic, in the mighty name of Jesus, increase in the miraculous, in healings and breakthroughs on every side in the name of Jesus. Lord, we prophesy and we declare over you in the name of Jesus over the assignment the Father has given you, growth and increase in the name of Jesus. As we are coming out of COVID, I declare over you increase more than you've ever seen pre-COVID in the name of Jesus. Increase in the prophetic. Increase in accuracy in the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, we ask, oh God, for more miracles, instant miracles, gradual miracles in the name of Jesus. That your ministry will be known for healings and miracles in the name of Jesus. Lord, we decree open heavens, open heavens, open heavens more than you've ever seen before in the name of Jesus. Clarity, clarity in the prophetic, in the mighty name of Jesus. More, Lord. Lord, we are asking for more, more, more. Fire, oh God. Fire, Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus. So shall it be, it cannot be otherwise, in the name of Jesus. I believe you are stepping into a new phase in your ministry. A new phase in your ministry. You have seen great increase in the past. You have seen accuracy in the prophetic in the past. The Lord is bringing you into a new season. A new season of open heavens, great prophetic accuracy. Discern your spirit, word of wisdom, word of knowledge in a greater increase. Even the gift of working of miracles. You begin to see limbs growing out. You begin to see crazy miracles happening in your ministry. Even as you step into this season. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Church, I want you to prophesy over them. Declare, open your mouth and declare over them what the Lord is putting in your heart. Father, I thank you for Ruth. I thank you for how she has poured out and continues to pour out. Lord, we thank you for increase, increase, increase in the name of Jesus.
Thank you, Father. God says, now is the time. Now is your time, says the Lord. The wait is over. The wait is over. The wait is over. And in the name of you, Father, that she has a sword in her hand, Lord, to cut off the enemy. In the name of Jesus, and we thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for Ruth being here and her team. Jesus. I really enjoyed the teaching last night on the seven spirits of God. If you didn't get to listen to it, um, I encourage you to go online and listen. Yeah, good morning. Wow, that was powerful. Hmm. I like when you got up here and you said, I don't want you to think. When people, we don't see them anymore. Everybody draws their own conclusions. (laughs) Right? Uh, This is my amazing administrator and dear, dear friend. She's been with me several, several years. And Abner, we shared her for a while. But (laughs) anyway, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And she is a gift. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all are a gift. My knees are weak. Um, So it's an honor to have been with you all this weekend. You all are a gift to us. I love coming to Global River. I just love y'all. Um, So, this is Ruth's amazing book, Prophetic Journey, by Ruth Manjikapri. We have several of them here. Now, let me tell you that if you go to Amazon, it's there, but you're going to pay $16.95. Usually at conferences, they are $15, but this weekend, they are $12. And if you get one quickly, some of them have a little CD teaching in them. They won't all have that, but if you hurry, maybe you will. So we'll have them out front there after service. Dawn is a gift, and I asked her to release a gift to you this morning. I want to give this to you. Okay. Happy Mother's Day. What a beautiful, beautiful family. Five generations is awesome. (laughs) Wow. What a legacy. Okay. Ever since um, we came down here, um, beginning of the weekend, we, of course, prayed over what the Lord wanted us to bring, whether it was the word for individuals, which a lot of you got last night, or a word for the house. And from the beginning of the weekend, I heard glory bomb. That global river is a glory bomb. And he has something to say to you about the glory. So release it, Lord. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Global river holds my glory. Like a city on a hill, you carry me. A glory bomb, you carry my glory. This house is full of my glory. When you go out from here, you leak my glory. At the grocery store, at the gym, in your community, you are my glory. It's my face they see. Be ready in season and out of season to tell them about my glory. Don't just keep it in the house. 
realize you are the house of my glory. I'm placing a fire. Put your hand on your belly. I'm placing a fire in every single one of you right now. Receive it, receive it, receive it. Every day there'll be a fresh download of my glory. It's a fire in your belly. Release it. If you don't release it, you're going to explode. It's going to be so great. Glory, 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 hallelujah. Glory, 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 hallelujah. It's a download from heaven. I see droplets of gold, ribbons of gold, and it's going in and out of every chair. Reach out. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Whoa. Whoa. Thank you, Father. It was powerful. Powerful, powerful. Ooh, I love the song of the Lord, and I love the glory. You know, one thing I want to say is everything is about atmosphere, creating the right atmosphere, and you get to create and design your own atmosphere. You have to decide what home, what atmosphere is going to be in your home, in your workplace, in your kids' rooms. Make a room for yourself to go seek God in your home. Create atmospheres. So... I believe that we are presence-driven, and, and that's one standard that I've set for my life. I want my life to be presence-driven, driven by his presence. Our, our church, in fact, Pastor Mike said to say hello to you. Yeah, do you know Mike Sirianni? Okay, so hello from New Day Church at High Point. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, today, God, that we're going to settle in the atmosphere of heaven Father, I thank of the Lord. Not only are we going to be glory carriers, but we, we are going to release the word of the Lord to the nation, to our nation that desperately needs it. So, Father, I thank you for this word that you've given me. I ask, God, that it would resonate in their ears, God, producing fruit to stir up the voice that they have burning on the inside of them. Even Jeremiah said, it's like a fire shut up in my bones and I'm weary from holding it in. And that's what happens when we have revelation and we don't release it. There's a wearying that comes to our spirit. So today, the Lord just wants to release you to your prophetic destiny. So Father, I thank you for keys to help them to step into their prophetic destiny. I bless them in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I need your help. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just commit and I submit this to you. So I, I feel like I have this word. It's not going to be real lengthy. And I feel like it's the key to unlock your prophetic destiny. And I, I was looking at um, the life of Hannah and how she was born during a time where they had come through just this onslaught of the Philistines. And the nation had, had just... It, it sunk to a new low. It was degenerated both mor morally and politically. And how we see this happening in our land right now. And God is raising up someone with the spirit of Hannah. Not necessarily a woman, but with the spirit of Hannah on them. And men can give birth as well because they have the spirit of God who is the mothering side of God 
brewing on the inside of them. So I'm just going to read a little bit from 1 Samuel 1 and how Hannah's process could not be overlooked and how we cultivate our word, we cultivate our prophetic lifestyle through our life's process. And many times we want to pretend that we, we can get over the hump. We don't have to deal with the process of life. And the process is just as important as the destination. The process of becoming, and that really is what my book is about. It's not how to prophesy. Because we're all called to prophesy, and we can prophesy from a gift. But you have to cultivate a lifestyle, right, of intimacy with the Lord and, and gaining knowledge on who he is. So Hannah is a beautiful picture here of someone... And I used to be like Hannah because in many ways we had the same experience of abuse as a kid. And say I was verbally abused, there was emotional abuse that I endured as a kid. And there, so that was part of my process. That was part of me becoming a voice. And as much as I detested it at the time, I would never do it any other way. So um, we see that Hannah, in, in chapter 1, that she has, what, her husband Elkanah has two wives, Hannah, right, and Peninnah. And this other woman has many, many children, and Hannah's barren now. So I'm thinking, to be barren back in that day was they were socially outcast. So here's Hannah. She has to endure, you know, extreme um, isolation. She's an outcast, which is grueling shame beyond rejection. It's just a point of shame. And shame says, I never should have been born. So she's full of shame. She's a, a, an outcast. So she has social, she's a social outcast. She endures shame. I'm sure that she endured jealousy watching this other woman who, by the way, mocks her Year after year after year. So she, in essence, cultivates this lifestyle. I'm sure it was PTSD or severe verbal abuse. And I'm not sure why her husband even allowed that. But he loved Hannah more. He said he loved her more. Is it okay that you don't have a son? You have me and you mean more to me than anything. But there was a cry in her heart to give birth to something. There was something on the horizon that she was pregnant with. And, and I believe that, I like what the brothers said here, our life has become pre-COVID or post-COVID. Like, we're going to determine our life now by, by that new standard, pre-COVID or post-COVID. So here, she's in the middle of this time where there's just degradation all around her, degenerated society, political unrest. So the nation was in spiritual need. And we see that Hannah had now, she cultivated this life now of emotional distress because she probably did not know what to do in isolation, right? They didn't have counselors. They didn't have sozo back then. They didn't have inner healing ministries. And so she endured this, and she took it on her soul. Her soul was so grieved that she entered this place of bitterness, right? She was bitter of soul. She was bitter of spirit. But Hannah had a secret here, and that many of us never really get to this place. And I'm saying this because, number one, we see this happening around us, right? With a degenerated society. Christ, 
And we, as the bride of Christ, there is a word, a prophetic word brewing on the inside of all of us because we all have a voice. Now, if you go back to Eve, right, women now, Eve meant life giver. There is the life of God on the inside of us that we are not meant to hoard. So God is healing his bride right now. We've had the last two services at our church on Wednesday nights. We've been doing inner healing of mother and father wounds. And we touched upon a little bit of that yesterday, not a whole lot, but about inner healing is key. The process that you get through is key to the release of your voice. Now, God can use you in the midst of it. There were times that I was at my lowest and God used me the most. So anyway, Hannah, she makes a vow. And in verse 8, Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Can you imagine getting to that place where there was so much inner turmoil on her? It was a weeping that was not out of, oh, I wish I had a baby now. She's in the, the, the grips of depression, I believe that you don't eat. I mean, there have been times like some people eat a lot when they're depressed. When I get, when I used to get really depressed, or whatever, I didn't eat. I, I just didn't eat. <laughs> Why is your heart grieved? And I'm, am I not better to you than 10 sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Anguish, that word anguish, is very, very painful. That's a, that's a, a soulish pain that is deeper than just oppression. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the aff affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will... Um, give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. He would take a Nazarite vow. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk, so Eli said to her, Lord, I am a woman of put away wine from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful or bitter spirit. I haven't drunk. I'm not drunk, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman. And that uh, wicked woman, when I looked up the word wicked, it actually meant that she was so full of shame that she shouldn't have been. It was like a low, low, low place. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. And then the Lord said, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. So what we see in here is that the tabernacle, she went to the dwelling place of God in her condition. In her bitterness, she went and surrendered in the presence of the Lord. It was in the presence of the Lord. It was in the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God, that she found her deliverance. Many people, they say, I, I have to get my heart right 
before I can be used. I have to get healed before I can be in ministry. I have to go through such a process before I can give birth to my destiny. And she found her destiny. She found it in the presence of the Lord. She took her bitterness and she knew the only place there was deliverance was in his presence. You don't get free outside of his presence. You get free in his presence. It's in, it's in his presence that you get freedom. So it's like she understood no veil. We still, as the body of Christ, are trying to get through veils when the veil was rent. And Hannah's secret was understanding if I just get in his presence, I will give birth. Now, she gave birth to one of Israel's greatest judges and prophets. And her destiny was so powerful that I believe that it was said of Samuel that none of his words, understanding that owned birthed from bitterness, but understanding that it was in his presence. She knew the place to go. So I tell people, yes, you may want to go to a counselor, inner healing or whatever, but to give birth in this hour, it's maintaining his presence. It's that we are the dwelling place of God. There's an internal dwelling place. And then we understand the dwelling place of God coming into the house of the Lord. We have a corporate dwelling, a corporate presence. But don't substitute the corporate presence for your individual dwelling place of God, your own tabernacle that you create. Because when you go into that place, everything, you take it all. You take it all. And, and we see people, they don't even come to the Lord because they think they're not good enough. And then when we come into the kingdom of God, we still think there's hoops that we have to go through. And we're like, I can't receive communion today because my heart isn't right. Well, be the dwelling place. Be the dwelling place of God. And don't restrict yourself from being used of God even in that bitter. Now, I'm not saying you carry bitterness because bitterness defiles. But understand that she set the example and the course for us, the example for us, if you're aspiring, if the Lord has put on your heart that you have something on your gut, and yet you feel like, I'm not whole. You know, there's still issues in my life. We will have ongoing issues until we go home because we're real. We are, I understand we are perfect because of the perfect one living in the inside of us. But there's something about the salvation of our soul that the church still has to understand, right? Our soul is being saved. Our soul has to come into alignment. But God can still use you right? While you're being healed, it's maintaining a position of presence, his presence. When you go into an atmosphere, you can discern what presence is there. It could be an evil presence. It could be a restless presence. It could be, you know, just a chaotic presence. You know, when you cultivate spiritual gifts discernment, you're very conscious of it. And some of you are not that conscious of it. So you think, oh, there's something wrong with me. When really the Lord on the inside of you is saying, oh, it's presence. We create atmospheres. We do. We create atmospheres. In Genesis, when it spoke about the firmament, the firmament went, was the heavens, but the firmament created a dew. And it, it, like, it was like a, a vaporous um, blanket over the earth. And underneath the firmament, 
everything grows. So think about that. When you create an atmosphere, a dew of heaven, because the other word for firmament was heaven, right? And under the firmament, it created like a greenhouse effect. And in a greenhouse, everything flourishes. Everything flourishes. And, and the Lord, I remember my kids, my, my daughter, she went through a horrific several. Of course, what does mamas do? Come home, right? Come bring the kids home. We'll get you back on your feet again. So little, they took over my prayer room. They took over my office. They bring a dog. I had nowhere to go, right? I, yeah, I had nowhere to go. And I, I would sit in the chair in the living room. And the Lord said to me, you are prayer. We look for the place, but I became the place, right? I became the dwelling place. And in that place, God was doing a work on the inside of me. He was showing me sometimes I didn't communicate with my daughter in healthy ways, and I had to break some soul ties. And you know, moms, I was like Ray Romano's mother. <laughs> and no, my mother was like Ray Romano's mother, so that was my, she was my, you know, she was the one. That <laughs> you become like your mom, but anyway. So God healed me in that place, though. All I wanted was my atmosphere, but I still maintained the atmosphere because I was the atmosphere. I, my husband and I had already dedicated our home. We said, Lord, this house will be a house of peace. And when my grandson, who used to have night terrors, came into my home and he slept in my prayer room, he stopped having bad dreams. The power of presence. So I, I'm saying that to say all this, that don't circumvent your process. Hannah had to go through that process because what happened was God knew that all of the anguish, all of the bitterness that she would carry, she would learn a great lesson for us today, right, about going to the house of the Lord and being the house of the Lord. There have been times I experienced... Uh, um, I've had several experiences with the spirit of the fear of the Lord, but I had an encounter with the Lord about five years ago where I, was, I went into a place that I had been familiar with as a young child. And in the spirit, I went into my grandmother's living room and I sat on her chair and my dad was with me and he started singing over me. And it rec uh, there was a recollection now of a song that I had totally forgotten about. It's your sugar, your spice, your everything nice, because you're daddy's little girl. I had forgotten that he sang that to me. And it was in the encounter that I experienced healing. So it's in his presence, in the encounters, not separated from trying in your own vain effort to attain something so that you can go into his presence. We've got it backwards. It's in his presence. And you get to decree, you get to decide what atmosphere you want in your home. Isn't that beautiful? Like you get to decide. I'm sure that, you know, I love Sarah's worship, you know, and, and it's creating an atmosphere of heaven. It's like creating a firmament. And in that, you don't understand. Sometimes we don't understand the power of worship creating atmospheres. And in the atmosphere of worship, we hear the Lord. We begin to discern, we begin to navigate in the realm of the spirit because what? Our spirit man is lifted up into a place that we're, what? It's above our soul, it's above our emotions. So when Hannah went in to the presence of the Lord, all of a sudden, what broke off of her? Anguish, anguish. Her, she, she was hungry after that. She began to eat 
everything broke off of her, right? It says her countenance was lifted up. But I love what happened after that because her son, she got everything that she desired. She birthed the prophetic voice for that generation. And you and I, we need to bring forth the word of the Lord. We need to, many of you say, well, I'm not going to prophesy. Well, don't prophesy, but be a prophetic person. And what that means is prophetic person is you express the heart, the mind, and the will of God, which is what prophecy is. That's what it is. It's, it's bringing forth the mind, the heart, and the will of God. So you don't have to go up and say, thus saith the Lord thy God, and, you know, I see trees over you, and da, da, da. You, you can be a prophetic person by going over and sensing a need, and spiritually you take that breaker's anointing, you embrace that person, they're receptive now to the prophetic side of God, which is revealing his will for that person, and that person will be set free. So we have to expand our understanding of what the prophetic is. Many times warriors and watchmen and intercessors, they, they're dancing what they're sensing, that is powerful, and that's prophetic, and that shapes atmospheres. I remember George and Banoff came to our church one time. There was a man in a wheelchair. He, pray, he prayed. He played his, was a fiddle, George plays? He played his fiddle over him for about two hours. He understood that the power of his instrument was just as dynamic as if he released a prophetic word over him because that was a prophetic act. It was the sound from the heart of God with compassion that what? Comforted him, which comfort is one of the boundaries in prophetic ministry. So our prophetic life, it goes beyond. We have to expand the way that we have seen the prophetic ministry in the past because the prophetic in the days and the weeks and the months ahead is going to have a variety of expression, right? But when we come into the house of the Lord, we have a corporate word. I understand all that. We have words. How about the people out in the streets? They don't understand if you go up to them and say, let's say the Lord. But you could go over them, and a prophetic act could mean this person needs $50. That $50 has the same prophetic breakthrough on it. So it's listening, and it's revealing the will of God. It's, it's acting upon what you have heard, sensed, or discerned. So when we do the activations, that just increases the level of faith. And I, I, I've seen people when I've activated, I've done 20 years of training in the prophetic, and 99% of the people go home speaking the word of the Lord. And it, maybe they will not demonstrate that way, or maybe they will after that. But something changed on the inside of them. They became an instrument to understand the will of God. So let's take Hannah, right? Let, let's just take her process, we all have a different process. The process is the history of our life, all of it. Not, not putting anything as it does not matter in the sight of God. I call it the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we embrace all of it. If we want to partake of his glory, we will have to understand his suffering, not to the degree that Jesus suffered, but the suffering that we endure is a loss 
of our own personal, what we have created is our identity. And there is pain when we have to release that. So through all of the trials, God gets to expose the hidden things in our hearts, right? Oh, when I was first saved, I was so self-righteous because I got saved the same day as my husband and my sister. They seemed to just like turtle along, and I was like a bull in a china shop. And oh boy, was I more spiritual than them. I was more holier than them. I went to Bible school. I prayed, and everybody knew that I was more spiritual than they were because I let everybody know that they were backslidden. So I'm going to fast now for their deliverance. So I'm starving myself. I'm fasting for their deliverance, and I get on my face, and I begin to pray for them. And the Lord says to me, get up. You're full of self-righteousness. And I'm like, oh, okay. But all those years, I had firsthand experience of what it really was to be a Jezebel spirit. And I recognize the spirit of Jezebel. And there's a little bit of Jezebel in most of us. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. God's still working on that. We're not full-blown Jezebels because Jezebel likes to manipulate, likes to twist things to get her own way, likes the attention, is controlling. And sometimes we use our walk with the Lord to manipulate and control situations like I used to do with my kids. Oh, God told me that, you know, you're hanging out with, I told my son, God told me that you're hanging out with the wrong guy. Uh, he was like 12. <laughs> you're hanging out with the wrong crowd, and this one's going to end up in prison. And I was seeing the whole nine yards, which the guy did end up in prison probably 30 years later. And I didn't have enough common sense at the time or restraint. I used it because I really didn't know how to discipline my kids. But I knew because the Lord would speak to me, I would say, the Lord showed me this and showed me that. They were so afraid of God. My son said to me a year ago, Mom, growing up, no, he says, no offense, but you had a major religious spirit. I go, I know, would you forgive me? He goes, I already have. But So I, I know firsthand I had to learn that real early on because of God's mercy on me. And I have mercy for people that fall in ministry. I understand the temptations of life. And God allows us to walk through seasons of great learning because of his mercy. It's his mercy. And there are times I still don't understand. I remember at the beginning of the year, God prepared me. He said, I, I took communion and I drank this communion cup and it tasted bitter to me. And it wasn't. It was grape juice, which is a little sour, but it's not really bitter. But this had a bitter taste in my mouth. And I turned over to my friend and I said, Sandy, am I going to have to drink a bitter cup? And she said, yes. And she broke down weeping, and she was weeping so hard she left service that day. And it was a month later I found out my husband had inoperable lung cancer. Now, my husband is doing okay today, but you know what I formulated in my mind that day. And it was God was allowing me the grace and the mercy and the preparation to walk through. So we can't escape this life. You know, Christianity is not an escapism. 
and I, Hannah, she didn't try to escape. She went into his presence. And she gave birth to the one man in scripture that God said, none of Samuel's words fell to the ground. It was a time where the voice of the Lord and the word of the Lord was rare. When Eli mentored him, he said, you know, God said there was no widespread revelation. Well, today, the word of the Lord is not rare, but in a way, I wish sometimes it was a little rarer so that we would be a little more accurate and that we would discern waiting on the Lord when to release the word, when not to release something. We have to learn a whole lot more about prophetic protocol. So I really believe that Hannah's intercession, right, her, her nurture on the inside, her weeping, but I think her spirit was weeping because she knew what was on the horizon. I don't think anyone would go into that kind of anguish or depression over, I mean, today you can adopt a kid, right? I don't understand that kind of anguish. I know that some people really want kids and they're unable, but I think that she was at the place where God was allowing her to understand it was almost like a parabolic picture of what was on the inside of her was going to change the nation, which desperately needed changing at the time. And it's the same thing with us today. There's something brewing on the inside of us because we see that the nation needs to be changed because the people in the nation are lost. They are hopeless they are full of fear. They are full of panic. They don't know who to turn to or who to believe. So when we say the nation, we're not looking at a, just a physical map of oceans and landmass. We're looking at a people. We're looking at a people that are so influenced now by the corruption in the government that there's a weeping on the inside of us to give birth to something that will promote change. And that's what Samuel did. So I, I just bless your wombs right now. Let me just pray over your wombs. God, Father, I thank you right now that there is so much fullness on the inside of them. Father, I thank you, Lord, that the process of life can be grueling, but it is necessary. Father, I thank you that we can go to the dwelling place of God, that we understand that we are the tabernacle of God, and that through a revelation of going to the dwelling place of God, we give birth, we are released from strongholds, that we come into his presence as we are and not separate from it because the veil is rent and there is no veil. Father, I thank you. I just see people going home right now and looking around their homes and looking for a room. How can I decorate this room? How can I make this room a separate place for the Lord? And if you're unable to, you are the dwelling place of God. You are prayer. It's not a particular destination. It stops with you. But Father, there are, there are many of us that want that physical place in our homes that we get to create, that we say the word of the Lord is rich. When I come in here, 
There's angelic presence. There's angelic encounters. When I come in here, this room, there's an open heaven in this room. I don't know what's special about this room, but that's the place I believe that Hannah, when she went into that place, that was the place of revelation and birthing. So, Father, I thank you that not one of us will fail to give birth. That we right now are in that place of travail and intercession. That we all will come into that place where we will discern the mind of God, the will of God, and the heart of God. And in our unique individuality, we will get to release the heart, the mind, and the will of the Father to this nation that really is our sphere of authority because we have our feet planted here and we have a responsibility and an, a calling and a divine assignment to shift and change the land in which we live. We don't have to manipulate it. We don't have to argue over it. We don't have to think, what should I do? We just become. We give birth. We give birth to the mind, the will, and the heart of God. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you that I'm looking over at these paintings. They are prophetic in nature. They are prophetic, and they have power and weightiness. When people look at them, they can receive downloads from heaven. There's something that changes on the inside of them when they begin to look at prophetic paintings. When people read prophetic books or articles, when the wind and the breath of God is on something from a vessel that understands the mind and the will of God, it has the power to change things. So don't think that when you come into the house of the Lord, I would think, what are we doing here every Sunday? I used to think, what are we doing? But I started to realize that was low-level thinking. That when we were singing, the sound was being released into the city. Sound travels, and it has power, and it has authority. So when we would sing, we realized the, the song of the Lord, the sound of heaven was going out into the neighborhood. That no matter what you do, like when, the, thing, the key is this, to discern the will of God. When you act upon and you discern the will of God, that's when you see the spirit of breakthrough. So every box of food that is passed out, when it was originated in the heart and the mind of God, the receptor of that box is going to have some breakthrough in their life, though you may never know it nor, nor see it. Every bit of intercession, that burden bearing, that travail, you, you cannot foster or um, come up and you can't make up intercession you can't it, it's the revelation of the mind of God and you just are the receptor of his will and you pray it through that's what separates prophetic intercession from just praying because there's so many forms of prayer right there, there's petitioning which means you ask God for something there's supplication an earnest request it's like oh somebody's sick earnestly Lord touch them but intercession is, I am sensing this burden and this passion for uh, this city block or whatever. I am sensing this burden and this passion for this person. And you begin to pray in that you're, in essence, giving birth to Samuel. 
Right? That has the same power. Because it was in the mind of God. And Hannah's womb became the, what? The womb in her pregnancy. That's when she wrote Hannah's song. And the interesting thing about that was she gave birth to more children. But let me tell you this part. Because I saw this one time. And I, it said, the Lord visited Hannah again. And she gave birth. I'm like, God, did you visit her one time? And didn't you open her womb? So you opened her womb and then you closed her womb? I don't get it. We have need of ongoing visitations with the Lord. We don't settle for one encounter. We don't settle for one visitation. We don't settle. And God has more for us. And there's more birthings that will take place out of visitations, out of his presence, out of his glory. So it's about the atmosphere. And her atmosphere, she was delivered of everything because her atmosphere was the dwelling place of God, and that was the birthing place. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that this house has a governmental a mantle on it. It has a, a political assignment over it. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that they matter, that they make a difference. They're more important than they realize. And, and even the tenacity and the longevity of being in a house that can stand the test of time. And I'm sure that many seasons have come and gone. I'm sure there, there have been mountaintops and there have been deep valleys. There have been disappointments. There have been hurts and wounds, as there is in the body of Christ in general, because we're people. But through every valley and through every mountaintop, through every disappointment, you're still standing. This says so much about the spirit of might. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that the next generation is going to receive the impartation. Like five generations is amazing. Five is the number of grace. So I bless this family to be able to be... Um, to set the standard for the family mountain, that families will survive, they will continue heartache and hurts, they will continue to thrive, they will continue to sow into the kingdom, they will raise up the generations to come, that will have the voice of the Lord, because the same anointing that was on Hannah, I believe, is on this family to give birth. And even though the preparation was hard, the preparation can be difficult. You stood in the midst of preparation and hardship because you stood because of that, the spirit of might and because God saw the generations to come. So when you gather together today, this beautiful family of grace, what a family of grace and worship this young boy up here worshiping. What a legacy, what a heritage. Let them be an example. Because the Lord told me last year I was strongly involved in the political. I was in Washington twice, and I was in Washington on January 6th. Okay. Don't tell anybody because the FBI will come to my door. But when that ended, when that ended, the Lord said to me, you're stepping in this season, I believe, that the church is going to take on, not to let go of, but to add the family mountain. This and the, the beautiful baby that came up here this morning, what a beautiful picture of the heart of God that John had to just nestle so close to hear God's heartbeat. That We have to nestle so close to God to hear his heartbeat to bring restoration to our families. So create his presence, birth your Samuels, and we can't stop now. And I just, I just bless this household with just an amazing journey and... 
You know, disappointments come, but we have appointments with the king. And we never neglect the dwelling place of God in great grace. There's grace on people right now. There is a wooing. God is wooing his place, his people into a place of deeper intimacy because that's how we're going to survive what's coming on the horizon. I'm not putting fear in anybody because we have the spirit of might. Nothing stops. You can't stop the household of God. You cannot stop. Nothing can stop the building of, of God's house, God's people. But we need to yield to the wooing. That's our part. That's our part. We, it's, it's always about accepting what Holy Spirit is giving, right? We accept this drawing. Some people looked at COVID as like the, it was awful. It was just crazy upheaval that I believe we weren't even prepared for. I never felt the preparation of God for that. And I actually loved, in the midst of it, I had a lot of time to take account. Lord, what am I really doing? I want my life to be more than just prophesying to people. Although I love prophecy. It, prophecy, like, that's the only gift in the New Testament we're told to covet. But nothing will take the place of being in God's presence, meditating on the Lord, meditating on the word, not of religious duty, but we're responding to his wooing, and he loves his bride. He's so passionate. I don't know anybody like Jesus. Do you? I don't know anybody like Jesus, the mercy on our lives. So we get to be on the earth right now. We were chosen to be on the earth now. There is a weightiness to that. So we all need to be about our Father's business through great grace, but also great obedience. So use Hannah as the example of no matter what I have to go through, I will stand and be in the presence of the Lord. That's where you bring, bring forth birth. So amen. All right. Thank you for having me here, my team.